Hello. Hi, Lisa, it's Reese. Hi. How are you? Okay. Hi, this is Queer Margins, Series 2, in quarantine. And this week's episode is with Lisa Power. We recorded this back in May, and I thought this month would be the perfect time to share it, as it's LGBT History Month in the UK. Lisa's done amazing work within the queer community while volunteering at Switchboard in the 80s, co-founding Stonewall, and as the policy director at the Terence Higgins Trust. We spoke about all that, plus how excited we both were for this little-known drama about AIDS by Russell T Davis that was going to be coming out shortly, uh, which it later transpired Lisa was a consultant on the series of. Oh, I just want to say that because we recorded this early during lockdown, I hadn't yet perfected remote recording, so I'm sorry to say that, that at some parts the sound quality is a little bit dodgy, but bear with it, it does get better pretty quickly. Anyway, here's Lisa. Well, I moved to London in 1977, I think. Um, I'd come out in Lancaster, mm-hmm. and I had... Um, come down to London and I stayed in, uh, first of all, a squat in Islington, um, which then um, became short life housing. And um, I lived with a group of other LGBT people. And interestingly, in the 70s, we were much more polymorphously perverse. I mean, we, we, we were, we would have, we were clear that we were a lesbian and gay household. But for example, the lesbian who lived upstairs from me, had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, things were things were considerably more fluid yeah. than they became in the eighties, when uh, quite quickly uh, it became um, pick a side and stick to it, and don't, for God's sake, own up to doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So you you said you came from Lancashire, but did you are you originally from Cardiff, or you just live there now? No, 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 no. I'm originally from. Um, the south coast of England and then, and then from Croydon. I, I was brought up in Croydon and I went, I went north to university. Ah, okay. I always thought that you were from, I always thought you were from Wales. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I'm of, I'm of Welsh extraction. Okay. My original name was Powell with two L's at the end. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the eighties when loads and loads of feminists were changing their names so that they weren't named after, um, a patriarchal figure, as Mm -hmm. they would have said, or we would have said, um, lots of them were changing them to things like, you know, Moonchild and Tree Woman. And I just thought, oh, you're going to regret that in a few years time. (laughs) But then power is something that women ought to have. Yeah. Um, and it almost looked like my previous name, so totally. everybody just thought they'd seen a misprint before. So it was a very easy change. And of course, mm. now I live in Wales, and it would probably be handier to be called Powell. <laughs> but there you go. Um, I am Lisa Power, and I'm quite happy with it, really. So uh, now I changed okay, my name to Power. I dyed my hair black and gave it a sharp Cleopatra cut, mm-hmm. um, and and um, carried on from there. <laughs> I haven't looked back since. <laughs> um, Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, and you helped set up Stonewall uh, over 30 years ago. So it set up 31 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, why was it important uh, to you that uh, to be part of something like that? Well, I've been an activist ever since I came out. In fact, I came out on a demonstration. Okay. Um, we were demonstrating. I, I'd come along as a sympathetic ally 
to a demonstration against British home stores, later BHS, for sacking Oh, Tony for sacking Tony, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony at the time, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, somebody passed me their placard the whole while they went to the loo, and I never saw the photographer from the local paper. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I came out as an activist. Um, and I kind of carried on from there. And I, I joined, um, Gay Switchboard as it was in London in 1979. Mm-hmm. I'd spent all of the 80s up to the time of Section 28 writing for the gay press, um, doing various things, but being a very active volunteer at Switchboard. Um, I'd helped to found the pink paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend at that time was the uh, chair of the Organization for Lesbian and Gay Action, mm-hmm. short-lived and not at all lamented organization, but it was there around the time of Section 28, and I was very centrally involved in the fight against Section 28, and had a chance, as someone who was, for the start of it, working for the gay press, and then after that sort of freelance interferer, <laughs> um, I had a chance to observe all the different branches of the resistance against Section 28 and what was working and what wasn't. And I was horrified, absolutely horrified, by the way that most self-respecting lesbian and gay activists wouldn't talk to Tories, okay. um, wouldn't talk to anyone who wasn't exactly politically in alignment with them. Um, would give a hard time to people like Mike McCann, who ran the Gay Business Association, who was booed at a meeting I was at because he'd dared to give training about the gay world to the police college at Hendon because the police were our enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I saw was that the arts lobby were trying very hard to get straight allies on our side and they were also trying to talk to the more reasonable end of the Tory party um, because we couldn't win unless we had a majority and it was basic pragmatic politics whereas most of the gay movement at that time seemed to think that if we held enough marches and we wore enough badges and we did enough stunts we could stop section 28 and of course we couldn't you know, I mean, the Absailers were magnificent. They, the, the spirit of the resistance to Section 28 was wonderful, but we lost, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so that's when we came out the other side of that. Um, initially, there were six men who got together into a little mini manifesto. Um, and luckily, um, one or two of them noted Michael Cashman um, and, and, you know, said, we, we can't do this. We have to get women in as well. And they actually said, we have to have an equal number of men and women. Um, and they asked my girlfriend, uh, because she'd been the chair of Olga, which had, was acrimoniously falling apart at that point, but they clearly thought she was fairly sensible. So they asked her in and they said, do you know anyone else <laughs> who might be good? Any other women? Because at that point, there were a lot of women, you've got to remember, there were a lot of lesbians who wouldn't work with gay men. Yeah. Or who, if they did work with gay men, were very, very absolutist about a whole load of stuff. And, and that's fine, but the people who started Stonewall were looking for people who could compromise and who could work across a broad alliance. They said, do you know, do you know any other lesbians who are basically aren't going to shout at us all the time? And, and she misled them thoroughly and said, well, I, uh, my girlfriend is, 
And at this point, I had just been elected Secretary General of the International Lesbian and Gay Association, fairly completely by accident, but that's another story. Um, I'd gone off to what I've been sent off to one meeting by um, the people who ran the office of Olga. Um, and they sent me to this meeting in Oslo that they knew nothing about. And it turned out to be this thing called the International Lesbian and Gay Association, <laughs> which was just coming into its own, who decided to elect me as their new female secretary general because of Section 28. So there I was, suddenly ennobled, as it were, in activism. Wow. Um, and the Stonewall people went, oh, she'll do. <laughs> she sounds great. <laughs> and some, of them, some of them have met me before, uh, briefly. Um, so they, they took me on board. I was really lucky. Uh, a lot of my history is about seeing a chance and seizing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I always say this to people, and you know, luck is, 50% of luck is luck, and the other 50% is keeping an eye out for the best chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then just finally taking it, I guess. There were other um, women who who I know, you know, were considered for it, who, some of whom didn't want to do it because they thought it'd be reputationally damaging to hang out with all these reformist gay men. Um, some of whom were a bit too, um, didactic and unbending in, in what they were prepared to be part of. So it was, you know, sort of by trial and error, we formed ourselves together and we said we'd be 20 people, 10, 10 women and 10 men because of course, Everything was very binary then. Mm -hmm. um, and did you um, have any backlash from people for joining it then afterwards? Oh, my God, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, another thing that people forget now is that we had um, far more active um, obstruction from other lesbian and gay activists than we did from um from the straight world right i mean some of that was because the straight world didn't take us seriously at that point mm -hmm. but nevertheless we got enormous grief from things like the pink paper who just sneered at us all the time um they didn't like the fact that we were undemocratic despite the fact that every lgbt organization which had attempted to set itself up as democratic had sort of fallen to a, a minority voice of anger fairly quickly or at that point, any organization that stuck its head above the parapet was infiltrated by, I'm sorry to say, the far left. Right. Um, Act Up and Outrage both had flaming early rows and escape being taken over by the straight left by the skin of their teeth. Um, and so we founded Stonewall in a much more defended way, but also because we were going to be lobbyists. And, and I think that was a, the concept of that was anathema to uh, the gay activist world where everybody wanted absolute transparency all the time. And you can't do that if you're going to be a lobbyist. You have to be able to go into a little smoky room with people and have private conversations where, you know, they don't want anything attributed to them because you're finding your way through their power structures mm -hmm. and getting them on your side. Um, and people were quite angry at the way we'd formed ourselves and the fact that, that they couldn't... Um, they couldn't get a hold of us, as it were. They couldn't walk in and tell us what to do. What do you think the biggest um, challenge for Stonewall is now, then? I think the biggest challenge for any organisation that's been around for 30-plus years is relevance. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it's about obtaining the social changes now, because we've, we've got most of the legal changes, except for trans people. Clearly, there are battles there. Some of it is about stopping a backlash because of the 
state of the country at the moment and the way that um, populism and, and ignorance and unpleasantness are taking the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is there is a, a backlash to be dealt with. Um, but some of it is also about changing social attitudes. And that's why I think, you know, again, there's a, there's a section of uh, LGBT activism which sneers at um, working with the corporates, working with all those big companies. Those are the employers of the majority of LGBT people. Yeah. Those are the people who are genuinely going to normalize us as part of their workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, they may be in it for the profit. They, they may, you know, we may well have convinced them that being nice to LGBT people is more profitable than being nasty to us. But they're doing it. They're being part of a visible change. Um, and for every, you know, I learned this over the military. I was very anti-military. Um, I was a good activist. I didn't believe in any of that stuff. But actually, the changes that happened with the armed forces very early on opened a massive set of doors. And again, the same with equal marriage. I didn't give a toss about equal marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the early Stonewall didn't say much about equal marriage simply because we didn't think we'd ever get it. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, I, I, I've got no in- interest in getting married, but I appreciate that 90%, well over 90% of the rest of the lesbians I know probably do want to get married. Really? Um, and, and, you know, and the same for the rest of the LGBT world. Mm-hmm. And we should allow people to lead the, the lives they, they choose as long as they're not harming other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, I do get a bit freaked out sometimes when, when people try to be too normal. Um, and when, 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 other women turn around and say things like, oh, oh, we can't have those dreadful leather queens at Pride, or, oh my God, you know, this, this is sexually explicit, or, oh, we can't talk, we can't teach children about sex and relationships. And I just think, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. There is I, such a thing as too straight. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like younger, like when I was, I mean, when I was like, I don't know, like 13 or 14 or something, I was like, mm, I don't really like, like, I knew I was gay and, like, friends and stuff like that knew I was gay. And I was just, like, I just remember being a bit, like, turned off by drag queens in the way that I was, like, they're just not doing anything good mm. for, like, gay people. They're making us look bad. They're making, like, you know, they're, yeah. in, it, it's, like, that really camp overtly, like, sexual thing of just, like, like well, that's not how we're going to get acceptance or whatever. And I guess, and, like, <laughs> by the time I was, like, 16, I was, like, yeah. that's such a stupid way of thinking. And, like, it's just... Uh, it's not about that and yeah. it's not you know who get acceptance from who and stuff like that and it's just like like i kind of grew out of that by the time i was like 16 17 <laughs> I and if, i understood if it if you're yeah if you're embarrassed by somebody else's expression of their sexuality then it's self-stigma yeah. on the other hand i i will i will to this day stand up to any drag queen that is actually being offensive about women yeah because for me there are there are, there's a dividing line there Definitely. i mean i grew up on the likes of lily savage who brilliantly celebrated women mm-hmm. yeah I, so when i interviewed um diana james she um said that you fought for her to be part of switchboard i don't know if you remember yeah I've, i rem- oh it was it was an interesting time switchboard was going through a few growing pains at the time mm-hmm. um and the thing was what what i think younger lgbt people don't get is that the dividing line was gay or straight and if you were trans, 
we didn't care if you were trans, were you gay or straight? Mm-hmm. And there was a separate line of um, reform for trans people, which was very much led by Christine Burns and the other people of Press for Change, mm-hmm. which coexisted alongside Stonewall for a long time. And things went wrong. And Stonewall didn't recognize the point at which we should have worked more, much more closely together. Right. Um, and things went badly wrong after that um, for a little bit. Thank God they aren't now on that. Mm-hmm. But um, the question was, were you lesbian or gay? And Dee was lesbian. Indeed, as 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 Diana used to say um, to some of the younger lesbians on Switchboard, I've been a lesbian longer than you have, mate. <laughs> um, so, you know, we... We accepted her and then a couple of women, and it was, there was actually more complicated internal politics going on here. Mm-hmm. A couple of women bitterly objected to her after she'd been accepted. Um, right. one of them had actually interviewed her and accepted her and then claimed not to, not to have realized, um, and, and became very anti. And yes, there were a couple of fairly flaming rows. Um, but the vast majority of people on switchboard were quite straightforward. She was a lesbian. She'd been a lesbian for a reasonable number of years. Um, and she was a perfectly good volunteer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, yes, there were rows, but I think, you know, it wasn't even close to her being chucked off. Um, and, and that was the line that we generally took was if you were lesbian or gay, the fact that you were trans was irrelevant. You were lesbian or gay. And then I guess that um, changed later on where, when that sort of, as in it changed because to allow trans people, mm. regardless of their sexuality, to be... Well, I think there was always a strain, there was always a strain of radical feminism that didn't accept trans people. Yeah. Or rather that didn't accept trans women and pretended trans men didn't exist because they're slightly inconvenient and they're just misguided butchers, darling. <laughs> um, which is just so patronising and mm-hmm. drives me around the twist. Um, but I also think that you know, for me, that it's another of those dividing lines. Are you someone whose politics have come out of your experience of life um, and your experience of people as human beings, or are your politics something that dictate how you behave towards people um, and dictate, you know, these very intransigent decisions? Mm. Um, and for me, poli- you know, the personal is political, and I have been around, certainly I've been around trans lesbians since the year I came out. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it was never, there was never a question for me. I mean, it just, it it didn't compute in that sense. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, but it's, I think, you know, I saw them as part of the lesbian and gay movement mm-hmm. rather than, you know, trans people as trans people having so much in common as part of a wider queerdom. But then you've got to remember that we were we were vile to bisexual people who were open about being bi in the yeah. 80s too. Mm-hmm. You know, we were very much pick a side and stick to it. And if you're doing anything else, just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. People people wallpaper over all of that or they pretend that they were always the people who were, were cool about everything. I'm sorry, you know. There were flaming rows. I mean, there was an organization, um, not one that I was part of, but one where I had friends who were working with young lesbians and gay men. And a lesbian and a gay man working there started to have a relationship. And they were ordered by the management committee not to tell 
the young clients that they were in a relationship because it would be a bad example to them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, it was some of the most difficult calls I used to take at Switchboard were from people who had come out as gay and then realized that actually they still fancied some people of the opposite sex as well. And they'd lost their straight friends to come out as gay. And now they were risking losing their gay friends to admit that they were a bit more complicated than that. Mm. It's like the um, Russell T. Davis wrote a show, but it didn't heed. Like, oh, after Bob and Rose, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. That, that is, do you know, that is so, so true to life. As, oh, really? as is, I mean, Russell, everything Russell does is true to life. Yeah, he... Um, wait for his next series, The Boys. Uh, boys. Currently The Boys, it's called. Have you... Which is not coming out now till next year, sadly. What, what have you seen part of it, or have you... <laughs> I can't really talk about that. Uh... <laughs> yes, I've, uh, um, I've been a little bit involved. Oh, really? I, oh, I have no idea, you know, I mean, I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not close to the production or anything. I, it, they took advice from a lot of people who have been around mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so I do know a bit about it, but yeah. all I can say is from what I know about it, it's going to be bloody brilliant. And it's something I've been calling for for a long time because being on Switchboard, we bore the brunt, we really did, of the very early resistance to HIV. Mm-hmm. You know, we learned once, as soon as we knew how HIV was transmitted, as soon as we knew, um, or we called it AIDS then, as soon mm. as we knew anything about AIDS, we ended every single call to gay men or anyone who might have been at risk with, have you heard about AIDS? Mm. And we did that for well over five years. And I, mean, I had lots of calls where someone would say, of course I've heard about AIDS, don't be so bloody silly. But then, you know, sometimes you would get someone who would say, well, um, I've heard of it, but I don't really know. I mean, how is it passed on? What's going on? Mm. And, you know, we were right at the forefront of that. And then I joined Terence Higgins Trust, and I was with Terence Higgins Trust for 17 years, ending up as their policy director. And nobody has ever done... I, I get so sick of all the over-romanticized American plays and films mm. about the early days of AIDS. Um, not all of them. There's a brilliant one called We, we Were There or We Were Here. Okay. I can never remember which, which is about San Francisco, which... It will make you cry your eyes out. Okay, um, the only really authentic thing I've seen is 128 beats per minute or 120, whatever. It's the French one, the French one about ACT UP, okay. which genuinely felt right and had the right feeling. Um, and I'm very much, I mean, I believe that Russell is the most likely person to have got the British early days of the epidemic for gay men right Wow, yeah, I can't, it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing, yeah, and from, like, talking to you, it sounds like, oh, God, I'm so excited. He he is our best emotional uh, writer for television that we've got, I mean, the, the incredible amount of emotional intelligence in the stuff that he writes. Yeah. What's the, like, proudest thing that you've worked on? You've had, like a, like, a career that's just been, like, steeped in, like, LGBT, like, your life has just been... Yeah, there's, there isn't any one proud thing um, mm-hmm. as such. I mean, I'm proud of lots of different things in different ways. In terms of iconic moments, the one, the one that I, the one that I'm damned if anyone's taking away from me was I was the first 
um, lesbian or gay person to speak at the UN on gay rights. And I know at least two other people who claim it was them. And hello, I was 1991, Echo Sock in New York, start of the first Gulf War. I was the first person to get up um, in the podium and speak on behalf of lesbians and gay men um, and be thoroughly insulted by ambassadors from many um, not particularly friendly countries. I was called an abomination on the face of the earth by, I think, the ambassador to the Sudan, from the Sudan. What, like, to your face? As in, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely to my face. And some poor sod in the... Um, in the interpreter's booth, had to translate it for me, and the and the, the really weird thing was almost everybody in the, in the uh, interpreter's booth was lesbian or gay, and um, they and they'd all left their countries because if you were a smart kid and well educated um, and gay, uh, and in Ethiopia or the Philippines or wherever, getting out to the UN is the best career move that you can make. Mm. So it was full of queers from all these different countries. <laughs> Uh, all of whom were in the closet. Yeah, of course. So, you know, so in a way, I mean, that, that's the one where I kind of, I get quite annoyed when other people pull on that one, just because, particularly um, when it's a guy, right. because lesbians get erased all the bloody time, and I'm not having it. <laughs> I think I saw <laughs> but, a picture but, you know, of you there. In, in terms of, yeah, yeah it, really. Oh, there's only there's only one I know of that's extant, so that would be oh, interesting. I think, um, yeah, I think, but like, I was like... Googling you like you did for yesterday or something. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I, I saw it. Ah. Mm, oh, I'll, interesting. There is, it. there is one. It's a bunch of people at a table. But anyway, um, that I've done, I mean, I've done lots of other things that I'm proud of. I mean, at the moment, I'm really, really proud that I was able to support the production of the boys. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really proud of the stuff we did on, um, fighting, uh, criminalization of HIV, inappropriate criminalization of HIV. Um, I'm really proud of being one of the people who was let in to found Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really, I, I think, you know, if you wanted one thing, it's got to be switchboard because switchboard was the best finishing school that LGBT activists could have. Um, yeah. It was incredible to be there. It was totally an education. And it really, you know, you could not deny the breadth and the depth of LGBT and generally queer life. And in the 80s, it was completely bizarre because we would be being absolutely lovely to someone on the phones who was um, bi or trans or... Um, you know, otherwise didn't, you know, non-binary and, and or didn't quite fit into the way we were supposed to behave or, you know. And mm-hmm. then you get off the phones and go out into a gay world where there was still enormous amounts of prejudice about that. And that was very bizarre. And we all lived with a sort of cognitive dissonance, I think, at that point. Yeah, totally. I really, I really, really, really like the changes that we have now and the way that young people get to define exactly who they are and get to change their minds and get to play around. And I just want to make sure that they do that safely and happily. Thanks a lot for listening. Lisa is actually taking part in a conversation with Russell T Davis and Mark Thompson from Series 1 for Queer Britain on Thursday, which I think is sold out, but is going to be made available 
after it's been recorded, which I'm sure will be brilliant and definitely worth checking out. If you want to get in touch with me about anything to do with the podcast, you can through Instagram, which is at queermargins, or on email, queermargins at gmail.com. Uh, and if you're interested in any of the things we spoke about during the episode, like the films Lisa mentioned, links to those are in the episode description below. Thanks. <laughs>